You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. I'm excited for what God's going to do. I feel as if we're coming into a new season at the church and in our body and, and different things going on. We're trusting God for some big things in the days ahead. And if you're joining us for the first time, and I know there may be a few of you here, uh, this is our year of wind and fire. We began in January with the wind and fire and it. Uh, it kind of is a symbolic uh, theme for the move of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. You know, both spirit and ghost are, are, are the same translations in the Greek word pneuma. We use spirit, but, uh, you know, I'm going to, just every once in a while, the Holy Ghost, there's something mysterious about the Spirit of God, something that we, you know, gets, our, gets us excited a little bit. And, and so uh, we've been talking about that. We mentioned on the day of Pentecost when God sent the heaven, sent gift to the first century church believers. Something special happened 49 days after the resurrection. That gift of the spirit. And the entire church was born on that day and changed. And th- people were encountering all kinds of different miraculous moments. And, and that happened, it began to happen throughout the ages. And, and it points to our Heavenly Father's love, extravagant love. I, I want to say he has an extravagant love for each and every one of you. And when you stop to understand, and I've tried to slow down this week, just in my mind, just stop to understand the gift of the Holy Spirit of the Holy Ghost. To understand, well, God, what are you, that everything you do has purpose. To understand that the gift of the Holy Spirit was more, it's more precious than silver. It is more costly than gold. It's more beautiful than diamonds. I used to sing that song many years ago. It really is. And we chase after worldly things, and but to seek after the gift of the Holy Spirit, you're going to begin to view people differently. You're going to view nature and what all that God's given us. Life on earth and eternity becomes different. What the time we have here on earth as well as the time we're going to spend with him for eternity. It begins to transform your thinking. I can't help but my, my, my feeling, my thinking, my, my, my attitudes were, were being worked on this week. And again, the arrival seven weeks after the resurrection on the day of Pentecost was more than just a single magical moment illustrating God's supernatural work of grace. And it was a supernatural work of grace. It was a time throughout time, space, and history which which is hard for us to comprehend. But as I said before, the extravagance of God's love and sending the Spirit was a demonstration of how God continues, continues throughout time throughout all of time to work at transforming those who seek him. I mean, each of us still need to be transformed into his likeness, renewed in him. Before man was created, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit hovered over the deep. Before man. You know who he hovers over now? He hovers over you and I. Today, he hovers over you and I and the entire bride at his body, his church, around the globe. He's up. That's why I'm not needing to be afraid. Because what we believe in the word of God is true, then we don't have to be intimidated or fearful or worrisome or filled with anxiety in what's going on around us. 
The Holy Spirit has been with you since before your beginning. He knows all things. And no one in this place this morning, whatever you're facing, no one is a stranger to him. No one. He knows you so well. But first, you thought it was, you thought I'd forgot. But first, a joke. Today, three kids. Tony's son, Carter, Craig's daughter, Mariah, and my daughter, Brooke. They're playing on a playground bragging about their dads. <laughs> I haven't even got to the funny part yet. This is where Carter said to the th- two others, my dad scribbles a few words, calls it a song, and they pay him 50 bucks. Oh, yeah, Mariah said, my dad scribbles a few words, calls it a poem, and they pay him 100 bucks. That's nothing, Brooke said. My dad scribbles a few words and calls it a sermon and it takes six people to collect the offering. <laughs> My, uh, that's all interpretation. Well, today is the last message on the mini-series entitled Healing Winds. Each month we've had a different theme going through this year of wind and fire. I want to start with a scripture verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is written by Solomon, the wisest man to ever walk the earth besides Jesus. And he writes there in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He says, he has made, listen to these words. Let them sink and permeate your heart. He has made everything beautiful in its time. God has a timetable. God is working that time. He He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet no one can fathom. I, I, I have that bold print. You can't even begin to fathom. It's, 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 it's like an impossibility. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. His plan is bigger than any man, any science, any, any political force, anything out there. It's bigger. The day that the church was born on Pentecost Sunday, 49, after, 49 days after the resurrection, was part of God's new plan. The bride was beautiful. He'd been waiting for the introduction of the bride, and it happened in the precise moment that God had ordained. That day, God had ordained, before hovering over the deep, he had ordained it even before that. No one could fathom. Remember that you can't fathom the works of God. But when he was hovering over the deep, he saw the day of Pentecost happening. Through the work of the Spirit, the dunamis unstoppable force of God imparted to all who would seek him, wait for him, and believe. Go back a few weeks to pick that up. The wind and fire of his Spirit released to the body of Christ that day goes beyond imagination. Beyond imagination. Let's be a church that believes beyond imagination. We don't even get it. We can't comprehend it. But let's begin to embrace The power enabling those first century followers to be more than overcomers because everything that happened from that day is what, as a, what we're living in now is a consequence of what we have now. Everything that went on in that day. The thing, they, they didn't have the word of God. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't. Everything that we have now is from that day. First century believers overcame all the challenges of political strife and challenges and racism and discrimination and financial burden, persecution. 
It's the same spirit that gives us the power to enable to become overcomers today in our lives. Today it is my sincere prayer and hope that as you seek, as you seek the Father, as you draw close to the Son, and as you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through His living Word, you will be made whole in every way. Healing wins blow. Made whole in every way. His living word. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. There's, he, the living word touches the inner man and the outer man and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So I'm going to presume a few things this morning in this wind and fire year and healing winds month. I'm going to presume you all want to live in a body that works. A body and mind that is full of strength and vitality. I will presume that you will want to be rid of sickness and disease if you could. That you will want to walk with clarity of strength and of will. I want you to understand that through actively participating in obedience to the word of God... A couple of weeks ago, I shared the Proverbs that lead to life, and I still have some of those sheets around if you would like a few. Proverbs leading to life. Obedience with his word and by trusting in faith in God, who did not. Now, oh boy, this is the, the word coming alive to me this week, and I feel like, I, you know, what can I do to make it come alive? Who did not spare his own son. He didn't spare his own God, who did not spare his own son, and gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to you that you will discover the extravagance of God in every area of your life. The extravagance, the lavish love of God, John says in his epistle. Unrestrained outpouring of God's love. And we mentioned it a couple weeks ago, and it's kind of been the theme of this month. Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that, you all, and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Good health, body, soul, spirit, mind, will, and emotions. The New Testament references two types of healing throughout the New Testament. Therapuyu, which means to heal, cure, or restore to health. Therapuyu means to serve or do service, to restore to health. It's mentioned over 40 times, and it's where we get the word therapy from Jesus Jesus served people by healing their diseases let me read to you from Mark Mark 23 4:23 Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among them now just to pause for a moment those people he was touching, they did nothing before to deserve Jesus' healing. There was no church. They were not living for God. They were hostile to him. The Bible says that we were all hostile. In most cases, they did nothing after Jesus healed them. Did nothing. We can talk about the nine of the ten lepers that didn't come back. They wanted healing. They wanted 
Their body's fixed. They receive that. So you're, the touch of God isn't based on your, your goodness or your ability to perform after he touches you. It's his pure love for people. In many cases, to be healed meant that you had to take action. Therapuyu. Restoration to health meant obeying his words and taking steps of faith. Ten lepers wanted to live in a body that worked. I think each of us wants to do that. They said, again, from Mark, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went on their way, they were cleansed. There was an action. There was a, a response. There was an obedience to what, the word, what Jesus, the word, asked them to do. And they found wholeness. As followers, as followers of Christ today, to be healed and whole, you may want to try putting into practice what the word of God is saying to you. We've said it before. In light of God's mercy and grace, we should Offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Here I am, Lord. I want to use my earthen vessel for your purposes. I, I, I want to be in health and strength and to, for your purposes. Not for my, for your purpose. I want to offer this body as a living sacrifice. Again, two weeks ago I gave you the list of Proverbs, signposts for healing. You can go online and listen to the whole message if you choose. But there's wisdom in following the Proverbs, all those Proverbs that lead to life. They would assist you in helping you, pointing you in direction to a good life and a long life. Some, it's so challenging now. You speak of these things and some of there are those that doubt, oh, come on, that's not happening anymore. And you have the right to doubt. You have the right to doubt. But I have the right to believe. Lord, help my unbelief. I want to believe. Scripture shares that you can live a long life if you choose to follow God's instructions. Sounds a pretty big statement. Over time, with care and attention, you can live like Caleb, who testified personally. So here I am today, 85 years old, and I'm still strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Well, that's just Caleb. I'm going to embrace that. Lord, I pray that prayer. Psalm 91 declares this. We hold on to the word of God. It's all we have to hold on to in these days of turmoil and movement and confusion. The word of God, the literal, not changing the word, the literal word of God. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. It's just the word of God. It's the same word that we believe in the resurrection, same word we believe we're going to heaven when we die, same promises. A relative in the lineage of David who while living in exile, I mentioned him earlier in the service, exemplified Psalm 91. His name was Daniel. Listen to what Daniel chapter one says. The king talked with them and he found not none equal to Daniel. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned him, he found him ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. If you look at 
the life of Daniel, you'll find that he offered his body as a living sacrifice. He's living in exile. Everything was going wrong for Daniel. The country had been swarmed by a military that took over and he responded. They took him out of his country. Everything. Politically, he had no rights, no... Nothing. Everything was taken from him. We get so concerned about all these things today. But as children of God, we don't have to be afraid moving forward. We have to live for Jesus. Daniel said was a mind, a wise man, full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. That's Proverbs 24. It says that. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. Things we talked about over time, like exercise and sleep. Daniel was able to sleep in a, in a, in a lion's den. He laid his head down to rest. His diet was put in order. He chose not to defile himself with the king's food in Babylon. Verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. His attitude was good and solid. No dirt, no political opponents could get any dirt on Daniel. He's one of the only characters in all the Old Testament that isn't revealed that he did anything wrong. Their only option was to make up something illegal about obeying God. And then Daniel, in obedience, he did not bow to any of the other gods. Living for God and using wisdom and collaborating with God's natural resources can, can and will assess, assist you in realigning your body, soul, and spirit as God originally designed it to be. But there's a second Greek word also for healing. Iomi, and this word is for instantaneous healing. It's mentioned over 30 times in the New Testament. Matthew 8, verse 13. And to, the and to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment, instantaneously. Mark chapter 5, verse 29. I'm not, I can't re recite all 30 verses, but and immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body and she was healed of her disease. That was the woman with the issue of blood. She touched the hem of his garment instantly. The first word of healing, therapeutics, suggests that God's natural laws and remedies come into account. We, we can. We, we have to use wisdom from the book of Proverbs and how we treat our bodies, what we put in, our exercise, sleep, all those things. Do not be surprised that God's word tells us these things. And the second word of healing, I uh, uh, Iomi, I try to say the Greek right, I might be saying it wrong, takes God's amazing supernatural grace into account. So why don't I have to be afraid? Because there's so much that God has extravagant love toward us. And see, it's not one or the other. It's both. Doctors and hospitals, they're good, they're helpful. But there's natural laws and supernatural grace that we want to put into place in our lives. And that's where the Holy Spirit empowerment comes in. The gift of, promised gift of the Holy Spirit wasn't for your entertainment or amusement. It wasn't to divide the church, which it has at some moments in time. It wasn't to boast in being better than the believer down the street. 
How immature if you think that that's what the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit was, to make you better than someone else. Mark 16, verse 15, shares the purpose and the gift, what the gift of the Holy Spirit was for. It, it tells us. If you become a student of the Word, you begin to see these things. And I, 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 and I know you are what you're doing. You're doing your best. I, I trust that. But listen, it says, go into all the world. And preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, and they will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And when they lay their hands on the sick, they will get well. Holy Spirit was to... Empower us not to think that we're better than one another or somehow more elaborate. And it was the Holy Spirit. There's nine gifts of the Spirit, not just the gift of tongues. The, Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost wasn't just about tongues. So much bigger than that. Holy, coming to the Holy Spirit was not the purposes of cheap showmanship or self-promotion or having some kind of special anointing. We speak in those terms. We give people these these, we elevate them. Oh, they have a special anointing. It wasn't for those things. John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. If, if, if what we are doing, if what we think the special anointing is to elevate people, you've, you're missing the mark. And Philip, one of the seven men chosen after the day of Pentecost to administer the affairs of the church, he was sent on a special Task to Samaria. What, what, what was the Holy Spirit? To go to Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So we find Philip in Samaria, just like God had said. This is what he was going to do, send them forth. He was to preach the gospel, with sign, and when he began to do that, signs and wonders followed him. A magician named Simon was living in Samaria, and Simon, up until that point in time, had a reputation as an entertainer and a great magician, and he gave his heart to Jesus. When he saw Peter and John lay hands and praying for people to be filled with the Spirit, he saw something. He heard something. He wanted to buy the gift. He actually approached him. I want, can I buy this gift so I can do that also? And Peter at that moment rebuked him harshly. He said this in Acts chapter 8, verse 20. May you and your money go to hell for thinking that you can buy God's gift with money. This is so much bigger than anything that the world had ever seen. It was an exploit. So I want you to be clear what happened on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost wasn't a new kind of high. It wasn't, it wasn't for a high. It wasn't for like just, it wasn't a psychogenic sickness where you, something begins to happen in, in, in hyper-emotionalism and the world has all these terminologies now for the mind is so powerful and we get, can fool ourselves into doing different things. It was not for show. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Jesus actually spoke of the signs and wonders that would happen after he ascended into heaven. He spoke about it. He told it. He said it prior to him going to the cross. He said these things are going to happen. There's going to be miraculous moments. There's going to be moments of time where you are not going to understand what's happening. The supernatural God who we serve is going to be working. He says this, I tell you the truth. In, chap in John chapter 14, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. 
So the day of Pentecost is post going to the Father. So this is what this is what the church what we begin to see in the church, what Jesus spoke about beforehand. Instantaneous and supernatural miracles are still for the believer today. It's not just pure logic and logic syllogism that we embrace. The Holy Spirit of God will never be limited to man's mere thoughts and imaginations. Do you allow that him to move outside of what you understand? I do. I have great hope in that. Let me remind you that God always moves outside time and space. He's always at work. He works beyond your imagination. We've become so educated in the Western culture that we have no room for supernatural events. We write people off. Oh, somebody mentions they might have had an encounter. That is nuts. They receive some kind of revelation. So that, oh, that guy's just making it up. Psychogenic. By his spirit, he does exploits. Still today. Exploits are never before seen occurrences. The Red Sea was an exploit. Walking on water, an exploit. Coming out of the grave after being crucified, an exploit. Tongues of fire causing people to speak in an unknown language, uh, exploits. When God proclaimed, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, he wasn't kidding. The Bible is very connected. It's very precise and concise. I believe that God's word, all through his word, he's preparing us, hinting what was to come when Jesus rose from the dead. He hinted at it all the time. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, the church was born. There was perfect timing. So what am I saying? I'm saying that we don't have to be afraid of anything moving forward. You do not have to be afraid of what's going on in the in the world today. The science, the policies, the political agendas, the trends, the warfares, the fears, the worries. You don't have to be afraid. Because miracles happen. Miracles can happen in your life. To be afraid of it doesn't happen. To be afraid if it doesn't happen or of, of, or of anything regarding what is to come ever. You don't have to be, ever! Whatever is going on in your life, you do not have to be afraid. Now, I know that's pretty bold because you're challenged when you look at your little children, when you look at your aging grandma and grandpa and parents and all of the different things. You can say, man, I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying it happens, but you do not have to be afraid. I want you to somehow engage that. God is the one who heals. Our role is to pray and believe the word of God. This week, Craig and I went to a woman's house. She asked us for prayer to anoint her with oil. She was so frail. She hadn't eaten for many days. And if the Lord does not do a miracle, she will not be with us much longer. She wasn't afraid. Earl wasn't afraid. When you know you're God, you're not afraid, even when death is looking straight at you. What would 
What would we pray when we go to see this frail, broken woman? We prayed healing. Say, well, that's a little bit. I'm not the healer, but I can pray for healing. I will never stop praying for God's healing to happen. I am not control that, but I'm not, I, I will do what is right in what God's word says every single time if I can. You're saying that's a bit silly. I think it's silly not to. Remember Daniel. I said it earlier in the service. But the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. But those who live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit also That's what we have today in the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. It's not some weak entity, weak institution. It's more than institutionalism. It's more than just, it's it's the whole body. It says there in Galatians, those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified with the flesh, with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit and power. That's what the bride of Christ is to do to walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. By caring, by loving, by showing mercy and grace, by believing God when it looks impossible to believe God for anything. You must keep believing. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. Mm-hmm.